Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. When you're seeking the Lord, one of the best places to start is right here in the black and white. You know what I'm saying? God has special leadings for you and special things that he wants you to do that you may maybe won't find exactly by reading the pages of this book. You know, there are people who have got ministries. You know, I, there was a time when, uh, you know, God told, I think it was um, Oral Roberts, to go and start TV ministry. He was a pioneer in TV ministry. You know, he couldn't read the Bible and say, thou shalt go on TV, you know. But what did he have? Go into all the world. And that was just an avenue for him to do it. God's got things prepared, good works prepared for you to do in the time that we live in right now. That's something that I think should encourage us. And, and, you know, the Bible talks about men's hearts failing them for fear of things that are coming on the earth. And I'll tell you what, I look at news. And I see what's going on out there. And if that's all you look at, you'll be dissipated very quickly because there's just crazy stuff out there. And you're thinking, how in the world? You know, and then you look at some of the statistics of, of, uh, you know, uh, young people who who grow up in church and then they fall away when they go into, uh, you know, their college years, different things like that. And you look at that and it's like, you know, you want to be real. First of all, you need to locate where you're at if you want God to help you, right? You know, if uh, if you're following your GPS, you ever follow your G- buddy GPS right here? Yeah, yeah, it's handy, isn't it? I mean, it's great. I I put it on and just I don't even have to think about where I'm at. I don't have to look at the big picture, nothing. I typed in the address. Now, if I lose it in the middle of the trip, I might not have a clue where I'm at. That's a possibility. But you know, if you get turned around and you get lost and you put on your GPS, um. I don't know about you, but I like a little privacy. So sometimes I turn off my location services. I just don't figure my phone and whatever people out there monitoring my phone needs to know where I'm at all the time, right? But you know, if you want your GPS to help you, first you got to turn on that location services. Why? Because it can't help you until you know where you're at, right? So, you know, as a movement, as a church, as Christians in America, it's good to look at those statistics and say, where am I? What, what are we doing? You know, are we really, is it true that 60% of the youth don't stay in, in, in church? Do they stay with God? You know, are they, are, they, are they being Christians in other ways? You know, we need to look at those numbers and be real about where we are, amen? And if it's bad, you know, it's like a good doctor uh, will tell you the bad news because he knows you've got to come to terms with where you are before he can fix you, right? A good doctor is not just, you know, tell you, oh, you're in denial. That Don't worry about that blood pressure or that diabetes. Just go on and live your life. You'll be fine. <laughs> How many of you know you won't be with that advice? You know, the doctor, is he's real with you, and then he prescribes something to help you from where you're at to be healthy, right? Your GPS starts with where you're at to get to where you need to go. And God has a plan and a program to take us as a church, as a movement, as Christians, right from where we're at to where we need to go. Amen. But what we need to do is be real about that. And that's one of the things I think, I don't know where all this came from. This was, none of this was in my notes from light last night. It must be for us right now though, because one of the things about repentance is this is where I'm at right now. I missed it, Lord, but I'm right here right now. You know, a lot of times we want to go to God and tell him why it really wasn't so bad because I know somebody else who's a Christian and they've done it worse. You're right. You know what I'm saying? But how many times, you know, I've, I've just realized, let's be honest with God. He can handle your honesty. God, I, I messed up. I don't have an excuse for it. I knew better. I messed up, whatever. But this is where I'm at right now. And if, I'll, if you'll lead me, I know you've got the program to take me from where I'm at right now and where I admit that I'm at to take me where I need to be. And as a church, man, this is where we're at right now. In America, this is where we're at right now. You know, the people, uh, young people are, are leaving churches in mass. Why? That's a good place to find out. But Lord, this is where we're at. What do you want me to do? How do you want to use me? to go and reach people that I've been unable to reach before because this is where we're at, right? We need to start with where we're at. Where are you at in your life? What do you need from God? Where are you at right now? Let the Holy Spirit locate you right now where you're at and just start there. God, this is where I'm at. You've got a program. You've got a plan. You've got a strategy. You've got a way to start right now where I am at and take me to where you want me to be.
because the Spirit is always working in your life to conform you to that image of Jesus Christ. Amen? That's your destiny. Once you come into Christ and you've accepted him and you're walking with him, you are destined to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That's that's your destination. Thank God you can know that. But how are we going to get you from right now where I'm at? How am I going to get there if I don't come to terms with this is where I'm starting, right? Anyway, I think that's pretty good. That's good. Pray about it. Think about it. Let it sink in. I think it was for us this morning because, like I said, I didn't plan it. Put up that picture of that apple tree if you would. Um, look at that. Isn't that a beautiful tree? When I was a kid, we had a couple apple trees on the farm where we lived. And, I mean, it was great all summer long. You just eat as many as you want. I was looking online, and, and it said that an apple can produce 100 to 150 apples a year. But I'm remembering my apple trees putting out a lot more than that. I don't I don't know. I mean, I'm, then I find this picture, and I'm like, there's way over 100 just on that tree so i don't know how many they produce anybody have a clue anybody have apple trees 300 500 a lot yeah i mean they fall to the ground and rot before we could pick them up right it was great um but you know an apple tree can produce again i'm reading this online i don't remember i didn't live in this house long enough to know but uh, they say they can produce for about 30 years you know so you take a couple 300 apples a year for 30 years you're looking at how many 10,000 apples possibly? That's a lot, that's a, that's a lot of uh, harvest, isn't it, over the years? And uh, I had this, I wanted to talk about uh, gardening today and fruit bearing and stuff like that. And so I've got these. I want each of you to take one of these if you would. This is a bean seed. Don't eat it. Just take a, take a seed and pass on. I just want everybody to have a seed with you. Yeah. So just everybody, everybody get you a seed. Yeah, oh, I need one. Yeah, let me have one before you pass it on. Thank you so much. Yeah. That's a pretty looking seed right there, isn't it? Yeah, so... This seed that you're holding, or you're about to hold, if you're going to get one, I want to make sure everybody gets one so you can look at this seed and study it. Because this thing is truly a miracle, is it not? I mean, you take this seed... And you put it in a little bit of dirt and a little moisture, and it begins to sprout all by itself, right? I mean, you don't, you don't have to, uh, you know, when you get a cell phone, you have to activate it or whatever. <laughs> Thank God you don't have to activate your seed. You don't have to interface it with anything or, or get it on the network. Thank God. <laughs> it's way more complicated than the network, but it, it, it works a lot easier. You drop it in the ground, put a little dirt on it, put a little water on there, and it just starts growing all by itself. It knows what to do. I mean, there is a, some complex uh, coding in here, isn't there? There's some complex uh, programming and DNA or all that stuff that that makes a seed grow and know what to do. Do you know that this seed that you're holding in front of you, again, I don't know, this might be low crystal, but they said that this this bean seed, um, again, I'm I'm reading on the internet, so you know it's absolutely true on the internet, but uh, they say that this bean can produce about a half a pound, the plant will grow, produce about a half a pound, a half at least, a half a pound of beans. That's pretty good. One little seed, half a pound of beans. So, you know, you can use that for your math to know how many bean plants you need, right? Um, but let me ask you this. Now that you possess this gift, this seed that I've given you, what are you going to do to go get your half pound of beans? What do you have to do? Think about it. Huh? Plant the bean, yeah. So you plant it, you put a little dirt, put some water on it, then what? Is it going to grow and give you your half pound of beans? If it's in the right place, it needs to be in the right soil, right? Yeah, right soil. Um, good soil. And then what about other things in the soil there before the beans? Weeds, right? The Bible talks about tares, you know, when you plant the seed. You need to keep those away, right? Just think about it. You've got to keep it watered, right? You put it out there in the right place, in the right soil, but, you know, if it doesn't rain on it, you need to do something, right? You need to irrigate it. There's things that we need to do. Uh, you need to put it in the right place where it gets proper sunlight, right? Because if it's just all in the shadow or all in the sun, it may grow, it may sprout, but it will never produce that half pound of beans that you all are craving and desiring with butter. <laughs> you got to keep the rabbits away, you know, the cr- other critters. You know, there's bugs that will get on your plants and eat them. These are actually... a uh, 
these are actually um, pole beans, so they need a lattice work to really work, right? Rinkim did really well with pole beans about three, four years ago. I mean, no, it was longer than that house because i'm out there making chicken wire lattice trying to get it tall enough to let those darn things climb man and I, I, that's where i think it's more than a half a pound because i mean she had like beans like crazy and uh you know but you know you need to provide for your seed to let it grow right so look, honestly if each of us did take this home this is my challenge right now <laughs> what you do with this after this service it's up to you but if each of you took this home and planted it we would expect to see a lot of different results we just would because, you know, some of us would plan it and think it's a competition and forget the miracle grow and feed it and do all you can do to, to get the biggest, most prolific uh, uh, bean plant that you can. But um, some would have a lot of leaves and some would have more fruit and, you know, different things. If it was Rinkim's, she would probably eat the leaves before the fruit came because they, they eat that kind of stuff in India. She convinced me that leaves, you know, I'm talking about it. She convinced me that leaves, I mean, I always ate beans growing up and never thought to eat the leaf, but she convinced me that leaves are, a, bean leaves are a vegetable, a healthy vegetable with lots of vitamin K and calcium and all that, all that. So there you go. But you can't eat them all or you won't have a plant anymore. But, but anyway, yeah, maybe you put it on your burger. I don't know, man. <laughs> So here's the thing. You've got something. You've got this miracle seed in your hand right now, right? But you have something to do. You have something to do with the amount and quality of fruit that this thing will produce. Amen? In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, it says that the hardworking farmer, it's the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Then he says, think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. So I'm going to say, it's the hardworking farmer who should have the first share of the crops, the hard-working farmer. So think that over. Like Paul says, think it over. We're supposed to be working, aren't we? A hard-working farmer. So I'm not talking about working for your salvation. I don't want to be misunderstood at all. What I'm talking about is partnering with God for bearing fruit for the kingdom of God. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the things that we're supposed to be, after we've come to Jesus Christ, after we've received the gift the miracle gift that I just dropped of salvation. I, I don't know why I hold the bean up because it's probably hard to see from back there. I could just go like this and pretend like it's in my hand. But uh, you've received this gift, but now it's up to us to partner with God to help develop it and help it grow. Amen? Um, it's about developing Christian character. And God told Timothy to purify yourself so that you're a vessel ready for God, ready for any good work that God has for you to do. You know, if Timothy didn't purify himself and get ready, he would not be ready for the work that God had for him, right? So we have something to do with working together with God to bring fruit for the kingdom, right? So, you know, there are people who have, you know, said, uh, oh, I can't do anything because it'll rob God of his glory. But on the contrary, when you produce fruit in your life, it brings God glory. I've got verses on that. Listen to this. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16, Jesus says, Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. They want to see your good works. When they see your good works, they give glory to God in heaven. Why does God get glory when they see you doing good works? Because they don't believe you would do them without God, I guess. <laughs> if, they see, if they see me doing good works, they know God got a hold of me. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? But, but when we do good works, God gets glory. God gets glory. Uh, when, when we're looking like Jesus on the earth, God gets glory, right? And the good works that he wants us to do, it's things that, you know, it's things, it's feeding people and things natural. But, you know, the world can do a lot of those things. There are good works that God has for you to do that the world cannot counterfeit. There's miraculous, supernatural things that God has for you to do in your life that the world can't counterfeit. And that's one of the ways you know the Spirit's working through you because he'll work through you in the same way that he worked through Jesus. John 15 and verse 8, uh, Jesus says, By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit and so proved proved to be my disciples. It's about fruit bearing, isn't it? And when you bear fruit in your life for God, he gets glory. Uh, that's pretty cool. So God gets glory when we bear fruit. That makes you a partner with God in a very real sense. It makes you a partner with the Spirit. The same way that the farmer partners with God to bring natural fruit, 
You partner with God to bring spiritual fruit for the kingdom. That's your vocation. That's your job. Now that you're saved, you know that long, I like to say that long, awkward time getting saved and then getting buried, you know, when you're living as a, what are you supposed to be doing, right? I mean, you don't need to get saved every week, right? That's, you know, that's a one-time conversion. You enter in, you're a new heart, you're a new person, right? You've received that. You're walking with God for years now. You're going to walk with God for the rest of your life. What am I supposed to be doing in the meantime? I'm supposed to be bearing fruit for the kingdom bringing forth fruit, laboring with the Spirit of God to bring fruit. So look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6 to 9. I, I'm, I didn't get there yet, but we are speaking on Galatians. Um, we'll get to Galatians in a minute. But look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3 first. This is Paul speaking. He says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. What would have happened if Paul had not planted? Or Apollos had not watered. I mean, there's people groups in the world today who are still practicing murder and, and, and all kinds of evil things because they've never received the gospel. Right? So if Paul hadn't planted and Apollos hadn't watered, the Corinthians would have still been in darkness at that time till God finally got somebody up to labor with him and go plant and water, right? So uh, he says, I planted Apollos waters, but God gave the growth, right? You take this, where's my bean? You take this thing, you go put it in the ground, and they think, you've got yours. Thank you very much. Thank you for your diligence. Um, you take this thing, you put it in the ground, you plant it, you water it, but what makes it grow? You don't make it grow. Everybody knows that. God makes it grow. The growth, the increase is a miracle. It's from God. So, so he says, so neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. I think that's a neat thought, isn't there? God's a good, he keeps good track. He will reward you for your work that you do for the kingdom. He'll give you wages according to your labor. Um, and he says in verse nine, this is what I want to catch here. We are God's fellow workers. Look and listen to the words. We are God's fellow workers, and you are God's field, God's building. So Paul is saying, uh, me and Apollos, we've been planting and working, and, and we, are, we are working together with God, the same way a farmer works together with a seed to go grow fruit for the kingdom. Now, you can take your bean seed, and when you leave here today, you can toss it in the parking lot, and it may roll down and find a crack in the dirt or roll off and find enough moisture to sprout, right? But you'll never get your half pound of beans out of a plant that grows like that, will you? You just won't. Uh, what, what's going to have to happen? If you want your half a pound of beans, or should we change it to a pound? I don't know. It seems like a, if you want your pound of beans, uh, yeah, I know y'all are good farmers. Y'all know even more than I do. But if you want your pound of beans, man, you've got to be intentional about it. You've got to do it on purpose. You've got to be intentional about producing this fruit. It's time for us to be intentional about producing fruit for the kingdom in our lives. Amen. We need to be intentional about the things that we do for God. And so here we go. Galatians, are you ready? Probably one of the most uh, famous passages from the book of Galatians is Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the spirit, we're talking about fruit, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is the, the fruit of the Spirit. This is the fruit that the, the seed that the Spirit would sow. This is the fruit that would come up. This is what we're looking to see developed in our lives. We're looking for love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I don't have time to go into the definition of all of them. There's a lot of overlap there, but just think about them. We did a study this of this um, probably a year ago on Wednesday nights, and, and there's some interesting... Uh, there's some interesting meanings behind these words, but over, pretty much they just mean what they say. Kindness, gentleness, your demeanor, how you deal with people, goodness, faithfulness, being faithful, uh, having faith yourself in God. And so, you know, we know from many other scriptures that the seed sown, how is the seed sown in the Bible? It's a word. It's a message. It's a message shared. It's the message about the kingdom of God. It's spiritual words being spoken. And so what happens? The words, they go into people's ears. They go into people's eyes if they read them. And it goes into their heart where it takes root and grows, right? See, your heart then is the soil where the seed of the word of God grows, your heart. 
Your heart is your garden. And so Jesus told a parable in Matthew chapter 13, also parallels in Mark 4 and Luke 8. And uh, I'm, I'm not going to read it, but many of you are probably familiar with the parable of the sower. And I, I think that probably it should be called the parable of the soils because what he's talking about is a sower who went out and sowed his seed and it landed on four different kinds of soil. Joe could probably tell me a lot about soil and different kinds of soil, right? Probably knows a little more than I know about soil. But um, uh, it goes into these different kinds of soil. And uh, each one produced different amounts of harvest to varying degrees depending on the kind of soil that it fell in. Some, one produced amazing, and the other ones kind of failed to produce for various reasons. Um, but but uh, the point is this. The soil was different in the yield, the crop, the harvest was dependent somewhat on that soil, okay? You needed the miracle of the seed, but the seed had to be sown into a place where it could grow for it to produce. And so we have something to do with how much we can produce for the kingdom in our lives. We have something to do with incubating and protecting and nourishing and feeding this seed in our lives. There's something that we can do about it. And the Bible tells us to guard our hearts, we're supposed to protect our hearts, to guard our hearts. You'll find that in Proverbs chapter 4. I want to start in verse 20. Listen to what it says. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. So he's saying, listen to what? My words. Why? What's the, what's the word? The word is seed. Give yourself attention to my seed. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them in your heart. He's talking about giving attention to these these uh, to his words, to his message, because this is what you need before you can produce fruit. Come on, you know, you can go till your ground and you can get your irrigation system ready and you can do everything, but if you don't ever put a seed in there, you're not going to have fruit, <laughs> right? You're not going to have any, you're not going to have, we, Rin Kim wanted a garden. It's always a good intention, but we didn't put any seeds in the ground. So we have no hope of a harvest <laughs> as far as beans go. I'm sorry, no pole beans for us this year. But uh, you've got to put the word of God in your heart first. That's the first and foremost. But what do you do after that? Then you need to protect it. You need to guard it. So it continues. Um, let these words not escape from your sight. Keep them in your heart. Listen to this one, this part. They are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. I, I'm, I'm captivated by that thought because we're talking about the words of God, which are spiritual, Right? their thoughts, their ideas, their spirit. Their, Jesus said, my words are spirit and they are life. And these go where? Into your heart. But they have the power once growing in your heart to actually change your physical body. That's what your flesh is. Because God's, God's uh, words, God's spirit, God's message has a way of imposing itself into the physical world. And if you think about it, it's not that crazy of an idea. When you go back to Genesis and you see how God created the heavens and the earth, what did he do? He spoke and it came to pass. His creation will still respond to his words today. His words on your lips make a big difference, but you've got to have his words on your lips, his words in your heart. So you put his words in your heart and they are life to those who find them. They're healing to all their flesh. Look at verse 23. Keep your heart with all vigilance for from it flow the springs of life. Keep your heart with all vigilance. You see, your heart is your garden, right? And you're eating from your garden right now. However your life is going, you're eating from your garden. I mean, how many of you know when you plant a garden, man, that's your goal, right? To eat out of that thing. I don't, I mean, flower gardens, those are just to look good, right? I don't have no time for flower gardens. No, no, plant me some corn, man, something, you know, something, yeah. So I've, I've met people who, well, people, I've had people who lived with me who planted peppers in my flower bed in the front yard. It's like, I don't know if those are pretty or not, but yeah, hey, they look good when they're growing and producing fruit. Why? Because you want to eat. You want to eat out of it, right? So you want to eat out of your garden. That's the goal. But you're eating out of your garden now. Your life that you're experiencing, good, bad, the ugly, everything, you're eating out of your heart, your garden. It's just how it works. I mean, God made Adam and Eve. He placed them in a garden. Genesis 2.15 says to work it, right? Does it say to work it? Yeah, to work it and keep it. He put them there. I mean, it was Adam's job to keep that snake out of the garden. And he didn't do it, but... He did, but he's given you a garden to work and to keep, and that's your heart. 
your heart. All the things that we do, the Bible says, springs out of our hearts. And so we're told to guard our hearts with all vigilance. The New, the New International Version says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. And that good? I don't have the different translations on the computer, but uh, you, many of you are reading different translations. I like to look at the different translations sometimes. They'll say a word just a little different and you'll capture a richer meaning. It says, uh, everything you do flows from your heart. What does that mean? You don't do anything in your life that doesn't involve your heart, right? Whatever you do, you're, you're, it's coming from your heart. The New Living Translation, it says, Guard your heart above all else. Guard your heart above all else before it determines the course of your life. Isn't that good? Your heart is what determines your course of your life. A lot of people have blamed circumstances, blamed parents. Blaming parents is real popular in our culture. You know, blaming uh, where I brought up, blaming poverty, blaming racism, blaming all kinds of things, right? But what's the Bible say? The Bible says it's your heart that determines the course of your life. Think about that. Let that sink in for a second. Your heart. Um, you can direct your life by being careful about what you allow in your heart. Isn't that good? You know, attention, what you give attention to creates desire. You know that, right? Things that you spend time with. I really wanted to get into golf, Rick. I really tried. I, I did. I was talking to David about golf. I was talking to Rick about golf. I went to top golf, hit balls. I did so terrible. And I called Rick. I said, come on, let's try again. I really, I was giving it my attention. And for a while, for a while, I was building desire to learn how to golf, to want to learn how to, you know, hit that ball with that stick. But it was so bad. <laughs> it was just so bad. But but still, I mean, how do you start a new thing? You start giving it your attention, and that starts creating desire, right? You can create desire in your life for things, for good things, you know? People who are into different things, you know, fishing, man, you start getting into that, man, it just creates desire, and you want to go out again and again and again, and especially if you can do something that you're halfway good at. I mean, if I could have hit the ball, I'd be golfing right now. I mean, you know, but uh, but you, what you give, so you can you can create, a, 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 you can Stretch your life because you can create desire in your heart by giving your attention to things. You can do good things. You can give your attention to family. You can give your attention to church and things of God, the word of God, seeking God and prayer. Or you can give your attention to a hundred million other things that are surrounding us, clamoring for your attention, right? So you can set the course of your life by determining what you allow. Guard your heart, Right? Guard your eyes, guard what you hear, guard what you give your attention to, because why? It's going into your heart. I, I used to teach this lesson to kids years and years ago, and I would have a, I made a big pair of glasses, and I don't have them anymore, but I made, a, you know those big, funny-looking glasses, right? <laughs> and I, I put gates on them. I had somebody draw me some little, like, wooden doors that you could open. They were paper, but they looked like wood that you could open and close, right? And I tell the kids to guard your heart. How do you guard your heart? You, you control these gates, your eye gates and your ear gates. What goes into your eyes and goes into your ears goes into your heart. Because I've met um, young people, especially all the time, who listen to garbage music and putting their eyes in places they shouldn't. And what do they say? Oh, it doesn't affect me. Well, you can say that. But I'm just telling you, the way you're wired, if you eat food and swallow it, where does it go? It goes into your stomach, right? Okay, if you look at something and give it your attention, it goes into your heart. There's no escaping. Your heart is connected to your eyes and your ears. So you need to decide here what I'm going to receive and what I'm going to reject, amen? It's important to guard your heart. And that's not just a lesson for kids. It is in, in the sense that kids have a lot of peer pressure and a lot of entertainment out there and, and video games and, and music and things that are, are part of the culture that want to draw you away. But for adults, man, don't think that there's things that we can't give our attention to, too, man. How many of you know you need a break from the news once in a while, right? Come on, me and Ed talk about that all the time. You need to unplug from that so you can hear from God and see what his plan is for the world. Because you watch the news, even conservative news, all you hear about is that liberal agenda that's taken over. I mean, that's, you hear the devil's plan all the time. I mean, we need to spend time plugged into God, amen, and hear what he has. So he says, guard your heart above all else because it determines the course of your life. The new living or the new life version says, keep your heart pure. 
Keep your heart pure, for out of it are the important things of life. We've got a job to do. And, 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 and this verse is putting the, uh, the, the job of that on, on me and you. Why? Because we're free moral agents. We can spend time where we want to. We can look at the things we want to look at. We can shut off the things we don't want to look at. We have a lot to do with guarding our heart, right? Um, the, the Living Bible, it says, Above all else, guard your affections. I like how that says that. Guard your affections, for they influence everything else in your life. And then finally, I want to read you the Good News Translation. It says, be careful how you think, because your life is shaped by your thoughts. Well, where does the Bible say? You think in your heart. That's where you think, your heart. We think we think in our head, your head. You think in your heart. You reason in your heart. The fool has said it in his heart. There is no God, right? If you believe in your heart that Jesus raised him from the dead, you see how your heart is involved in everything you do. And so he's saying, keep your heart pure. Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. I mean, so how do we do this? Well, one of the things to do is to give, what's it say? Give ear to his sayings. Keep the word in front of your eyes. Allow it to penetrate your heart and guard it there. Because if, if the word of God, if the, the fruit that God wants to produce is um, growing in your heart, it's the, if that seed is the seed of the word of God, the message of God, you know, that goes into your heart and starts to produce fruit there, then what are weeds and tares in your heart? But other words, other messages, other things that people have sown, other worldviews, other ideas that are contrary to the gospel. Those are the things that are the weeds and the tares. And, uh, you know, they lead to uh, um, Jesus even uh, sums, summed them up saying the cares of the world. I mean, what's the cares of the world? That's a vast topic right there. The cares of the world, running after things that the world is running after, caring about the things that the world is caring about, worrying about the things that everybody in the world is caring. You know, I'll just be honest with you. I don't, I don't think that you should ever be irresponsible and try to pollute and litter and stuff, but I don't lay awake at night worrying about global warming. I don't. I mean... Because why? Because I know God's in control of this planet, and he's made a planet that's going to last as long as it needs to last for him to come. What we need to be worried about is global melting when he comes back and the elements melt, and he rolls up the skies like a scroll and, and recreates this thing. This is what you should be worrying about. But, you know, I don't worry about some of the things that the world is going after and worrying. That doesn't make me irresponsible. I like to, you know, keep the litter out, and I, I appreciate fresh green spaces and fresh air. I mean, I lived lived in New York for a while, and, man, first first week I got there, I had a nosebleed just because of all the dry air and the cold and the, the pollution up there. I understand. I'm not saying we should be irresponsible, but they've made these things. They've worshipped these things, and they've taken them too far. And I'm not going to go after the things that the world says I need to care about. I'm going to go after what God says I need to care about. And he cares a lot about people. He cares a lot about people. And so let me ask you this then. What is the purpose of fruit? What's the purpose of fruit? You know, why does a tree bear fruit? Why is this bean going to bear fruit? You know, God gave these things to us as a gift, obviously, right? He says, you know, in, when he made the... Uh, um, made the garden and he put Adam and Eve in there for the first time. He gave them the trees for food, right? So God's provided for us um, for food. So when you start to produce spiritual fruit in your life, these things that God wants to see in your life, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all of these, these things, um, don't be surprised if people want to come and pick your fruit. You know what I'm saying? Why? Because you're not bearing fruit just for yourself, man. That tree wants you to take its, take its fruit, right? So think about it. So don't be surprised. I mean, and if you think about it, look at the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians here. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. A lot of these, they actually need an object to function. You get what I'm saying? I mean, I could sit here by myself and just convince myself I am the kindest, most patient man there is. But if that's not tested and proven in a relationship with another person, I don't know how patient or kind I really am, do I? Mm -mm. We get a chance to bear the fruit when we're in relationships with other people, right? That's why it's important not to be a recluse. You know, the whole monk movement produced a bunch of holy men way back in its time in history, but it really wasn't God's plan. God wants to sow us in the world and put us in places where we can bear fruit. And how in the world am I going to be able to 
know if I have kindness in my heart until I can uh, act kindly toward a person, especially maybe a person who's uh, not being kind toward me. Because it's easy to treat somebody kind who treats you kind, right? That's just paying back. But when I can truly out of my heart treat somebody kind who's not treating me kind, then that's the fruit of the Spirit. Think about that. How can I love somebody who is unlovable? That's the fruit of the Spirit. All right, patience. (laughs) How do you know if you're patient or not unless you have three kids (laughs) or more? (laughs) No. Really, how do you, I mean, the, 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 the fruit needs an object to express itself. You're not really bearing fruit until you're bearing it on behalf or toward somebody else, right? Makes sense, doesn't it? But you know, um, one of the kindest uh, comments somebody ever told me was, man, your house is so peaceful. Of course, I think, was that before we had three kids? Was that one was just me and you? My house used to be so peaceful. No, no, but I had a friend. I'd go to his house every once in a while and, and stay. And, uh, you know, you'd go there and in his house, he, he, you know, he worshiped God and you could sense it when you walked into his house. You know, there's your, your home needs to be a place of peace. But that was a, a kind thing. But even things like joy and peace, people want to come and pull from your fruit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you know, I, yeah, I'm. I've got peace, but when you're sitting there in peace in the middle of a situation, people are going to come because there's a strength in that, in your joy and in your peace, and they're going to draw from you. They're going to draw that fruit from you. But listen to this. So God gives us the trees and the fruit for for sustenance, for food. But from that tree's perspective, what? From that tree's perspective, the seeds that need to be sown in order for that tree to be reproduced are hidden inside of that fruit. Think about that. So when you eat apples, right, that tree wants you to eat apples. Why? Because it knows when you take that apple and you're taking those seeds with you and you're going to drop that apple core somewhere and it's going to grow another apple tree. That's the plan, right? The, the, all the, the fruit is in the, or the seeds are in the fruit. Think about that. So, I mean, just, okay, I mean, if, if I just give you a minute to think that through and determine what that means as far as preaching the gospel. Right, The seeds of the gospel, that word, that message needs to be wrapped up in the fruit of the Spirit. It needs to be wrapped up in love and joy and peace and patience. That's what makes the seed attractive. We need to be producing this kind of fruit in our lives so that we can propagate the gospel the same way that that apple tree wants to uh, you know, <laughs> reproduce itself. Our words and our seeds should be wrapped in this fruit of the Spirit. So it says, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Your heart is a garden. Like I said, you're eating out of your garden right now. I'm going backwards. Hold on. I already said all that because I, I, I've turned the, the page the other way. Um, so we're, my, that apple tree said it could produce maybe 3,000. Of course, me and Crystal, we're going to go for 6,000, maybe more. 6,000 apples in a lifetime, right? Each, each apple... Uh, has maybe five seeds in it, maybe more. Five seeds, yeah. Uh, hey, Crystal or the internet? <laughs> you decide. <laughs> so this apple tree has the potential to produce, you know what? A hundred million fruit-bearing apple tree. Okay. <laughs> 15,000, 30,000 fruit-bearing apple t- I mean, potential because each seed has the potential to be a tree. Right? I mean, that is the potential in a seed. Now, we know because of the soil types and seeds failing to reach their destination that that doesn't always happen. But that is the potential in that, that tree. And here's the thing. God in you wants to duplicate himself in others. And if you have the spirit of God, the word of God, the message of Jesus Christ in you, and you're bearing fruit, what is your potential to increase for the kingdom? I mean, it's, it's almost unlimited. So let people take your fruit, man. That's all right. That's how it works. You're not here to be loved by them or be approved by them. You're here to bear fruit for God. You're here to show them love, to show them patience, to show them kindness, and, and to have that message in you of God's love and who he is, that message of reconciliation. Amen? So here we go. A word on fruit. I just want I want to um, look. I'm down to my last, um, well, almost my last page. It's not, who, who said 16 pages? No, it's not. Um, <laughs> a word on fruit. Listen to this. The fruit of the Spirit, right? 
The fruit of the Spirit is, Galatians 5.22. That word right there, fruit, is singular, all right? It's not plural. It's not fruits of the Spirit. It's singular. I looked it up in the Greek. I looked it up in the Blue Letter Bible. It says it's a noun. It's nominative, nominative singular, masculine. I just wanted to read that because it makes me feel smart. I have no idea what it means. <laughs> nominative, singular, masculine. But it's singular. That means we're talking about a, a fruit, not fruits, okay? The fruit of the Spirit is singular. That's, that's important because, you know, sometimes we think it's the fruits of the Spirit. And even some of the times in the kids' curriculum, it'll say the fruits of the Spirit. But it's not. It's, it's not like, hey, I'm growing love in my life, but I still need to work on my kindness. No, when you're, when you're bearing the fruit of the Spirit, this is what it looks like, all of these different things. We, like I said, we, we, we went through the fruit of the Spirit a, a year ago, I think, on Wednesday nights. And one of the things I did was I took a banana, and uh, I saw Terry had a banana downstairs. I almost stole it to bring it up here. But I, I took a banana, and I said, give me nine different words that describe this banana. And I mean, everybody was so creative of what they came up with. You know, I can't remember them all, but they were, it was yellow, it was smooth, it was mushy, it was white. You know, once you crack it open, it was banana flavored. It was cur I mean, all these different things. Why? Because there's different ways to describe the same fruit. And whether you're making banana pudding or you're making a smoothie or you're eating a banana, you might think about that banana a different way, right? And so here's Paul describing a singular fruit, and these are the words he uses, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. He's describing one type of fruit, one fruit that the Spirit bears, Spirit bears in your life. And so John the Baptist, he's standing there in the, you know, by the, by the river, and people are coming out to hear him talk. And uh, the Pharisees, who you know were the hypocrites of his day, those Pharisees, and they came out to hear him. And so he starts talking about this fruit to them. And he says, uh, Matthew chapter 3, verse 7, he says, When he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming <clears throat> to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? How would you like to go to a church like that? <laughs> There are churches like that, aren't there? <laughs> but uh, Paul, uh, he's, he's calling them out, though, because he knows they're not coming to produce, uh, to repent. They're actually standing in the way of repentance for Israel. And so they come out, and he says, You brood of vipers, who warned you? Listen to the next verse. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. In other words, you can come down here, and I can dunk you, and I can get you wet, but <laughs> we'll know if you've repented or not if you are bearing the fruit in your life. Right? The fruit is evidence of God working in your life. Amen? The Spirit working in you is, is the fruit that you bear is evidence of the Spirit working in you. And so, a lot of times, I think as Christians, you can hear that. You can hear a message like that. And, and the response is to try to have this fruit. So, what do you do? You concentrate on, oh, I got to bear fruit, I got to be loving. I got to be kind. I got to be patient. I got to be, I got to be, I got to be. You know, people can tell when you're faking it, All right? You can, you can act kind, but you, most of the time you can see right through that. What should we do instead? We should be putting the, the, the word of God, the seed in our heart. We should be guarding our heart, keeping out the weeds, watering it with the word, right? That's how you're going to bear fruit. Yet at the same time, it's important for us to do this. So some Christians, you know, they, they work really hard at bearing fruit and trying to look holy and trying to look right. So what do you do? You take your dead sickly tree and you run down to the market and you get a bushel of good looking apples and you come home and you hang your apples on tree and you say look at the fruit I'm bearing <laughs> it's like a Christmas tree you know a Christmas tree they look pretty don't they you take a Christmas tree and you set it up and you put all the tinsel on it and all the lights and the little balls and the ornaments and and everything it's the prettiest tree in the world but it's dead it's dead it's cut off from its life source that thing is never going to it will never produce fruit it is dead and it's just a, and if you bring a real tree into your house you know it's just a matter of time before that thing starts shedding and you've got to get rid of it cuz it's dead how much better to be a real fruit tree man and have real fruit in your life and that's what God wants for us, to have real fruit in your life. So some people work really hard, you know, trying to impress others, but it's your union with God that enables you to bear true fruit for the kingdom. And so in Matthew chapter, well, as John was standing there talking to these uh, 
Pharisees in Matthew chapter 3. Um, he, he's given them warning, bear fruit, keeping with repentance. He says in verse 10, even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees and every tree therefore that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. That's a harsh word, isn't it? He's putting them in judgment. That's what he's doing, right? He's, he's showing them where they're wrong. Um, but here's the thing. The tree that doesn't bear fruit, what's the tree? See, there, we, we were made in the image of, uh, we were born into Adam, right? The original man who fell, who sinned. We were born into Adam. The Bible says we've all borne the, the, the image of Adam, but now it's time for us to bear the image of Jesus Christ. Adam has to die, man. Adam has to be cut down, thrown into the fire. Ad, you, won't, you won't produce fruit. Adam can't produce fruit. Adam's dead. Adam's judged. And, um, in, in, and it, it even it reflects this in the, in the book of Galatians, which I'm not going to turn there, but it talked about um, um, two covenants. And one was of the flesh, one was natural, and one spiritual, where God does a work in your heart. The, the old letter of the law, Adam, the sin, it's dead. It will never bear fruit. So he says every tree that, that does not bear good fruit is cut down. Adam's got to die. And the spirit of God has to grow up in his place. The new creation has to grow up in his place. Well, like I said, we've been born in the image of Adam, but now in Christ, we need to bear the image of God. Amen? And so here's what needs to happen. Matthew chapter 12, Jesus says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for a tree is known by its fruit. A tree is known by its fruit. What we need to happen is we need Jesus to make the tree good to cut down the old one, the one that won't bear fruit, and allow that tree to be made good. This is a miracle. This is like a seed, man. This is something you don't do this. <laughs> Nobody can do this for you. This is the work of Jesus in your life. This is the work of Jesus. You know, and in the parable of the soils, one of the soil types is the path, and the path was trodden underfoot. I mean, if you think about a path, you know, um, <laughs> I had a dog, man. My last dog was a um, Australian Shepherd, and she was just very smart, full of energy, and bored out of her brains in my backyard. And so she would pace back and forth in the backyard just all day and all night long. She made these trails that are still there. Well, I think they finally grown over after a, a year and a half, but she would pack it down. Nothing would grow on these little trails where she would pass. I've got a canoe in the backyard. I would block her path with the canoe so she'd have to walk around it. She'd just make a new trail and get back on the trail. I, I couldn't stop her from pacing, and she's killing everything. What she was, why? Because when you're, when you're packing a trail, it's hard, man. Nothing penetrates. Nothing penetrates that. And a lot of people have become hard, man. They've been walked on by people. They've been walked on by disappointments in life, by experiences in life. And uh, the Bible says that when that seed fell on that hard, that hard, and I dropped my seed again, but when it fell on that hard surface, man, the birds came and ate it up before it even had a chance to, to hit the soil and produce any seed. But, you know, even if, that's your experience or if somebody's experience that you know, just know that there's always hope. There's always hope. Because why? Because God is patient, kind, good, long-suffering. All of this fruit that he's expecting us to duplicate in our lives is the nature and essence of who he is. And he's kind and he's good. That's why he wants us to be that. He's not just putting us through a test and saying, you've got to act like this. He's wanting to duplicate himself in you. He's wanting to show the world something about his kindness and his goodness through the fruit that you bear in your life. And so even somebody who's, who's been the hardest of hearts, there's hope. Why? Because it begins right here in Ezekiel chapter 36. God says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from your idols I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put in you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. This is a work of God. Like I said, you don't do this for yourself. This is where he does it. But this is what has to happen before you and I can bear fruit, right? If we're bearing fruit for the kingdom, we've come to a place in God where we've said, man, I need you to take my heart. I need you to make my heart soft. Take that stony heart out that, that is just impenetrable with the word of God and give me a new heart. And this is where it starts. This is where you receive from God the heart that can actually receive his word and produce fruit for the kingdom. 
and you can't do it on your own. Like I said, see all the works that you do when you're in that place, the, 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 the hardened heart, the dead heart, not connected to God, all the works that you do before that, the Bible calls dead works, dead works. Why? Because they've come out of a place of death. They've come out of Adam. They've not come out of Jesus Christ. But in Jesus, man, the works that we do are we're partnering with God. We're laboring to bear fruit for the kingdom. Amen? So when God comes, man, we get a new life, a new way of living, and a new way of producing fruit. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. You know what? As we, as we sit here, I'm not going to ask the band to come up. Um, I, I, uh, I believe in the power of God. Uh, I don't think, you know, I love worship. I don't think God always needs help with music. I think, uh, we can be, uh, I love the fact that you can pray and get answers to prayer out in the parking lot or wherever you're at. Um, I just want to, um, is there anybody who needs prayer for anything, uh, in response to what I preached or just a prayer request? I, uh, Padrina, can you share your, um, just before I pray, share your uh, praise report. Is your nephew still doing well? Yes, he's, um, I don't know, he's blind. He used to say that mm-hmm. doctors say he was reborn. He was reborn. Wow. 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 Okay, so in case you don't know, two weeks, two Wednesdays ago, Padrina, uh, her, her nephew was in, who is in Brazil, was in, in a hospital. I, in the ICU, and his blood was poisoned, and it was. They weren't expecting him to make it, so so uh, obviously we prayed. Uh, many others have prayed as well, and uh, last Wednesday she gave us a report, and today uh, the the doctors even are saying this is a miracle. So. Very weak. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But he was born again. That's awesome. So I mean, here he is. Um, he uh, uh, um, went from ICU to home. <laughs> yeah, they released him from the ICU. So praise God. So God answers prayers. So any any prayer requests, anything that that uh, is just on your heart that you'd like to pray, us to pray for, agree with you. Braden, are you raising your hand? Okay. All right. We're good. I just want to give everybody, I mean, you know, come on, that's what we do here when we come together, right? This is what we do. Uh, We're here for one another and pray and and, uh, love what God does among us. I just wanted to provide that opportunity. Father God, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for your your people. I thank you for what you've called us to do. I thank you that your spirit is at work and alive in us, Lord, and in this church. Father God, I, I thank you thank you that this is a church filled with fruit bearers, Lord, and you will continue to show us and grow us and move us into strategic places where we can continue to bear your fruit and show your character and your nature to the world around us. Lord, I'm just, I'm, 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 I rejoice in the fact that even though things can look dark in the world around me, you have a program and a, and a plan to reach us to reach this world right now, starting right here where we are. And so, Lord, we don't look away from the need. We don't look away from the darkness, but we do look to you. And we look to you for, for, uh, for the, the, uh, the move, Lord, the move to inject us, to take us, inject your light and inject your life and inject your truth into a, a, a dark and dying world. Lord, here we are. We're ready and we're available. Use us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.